For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Dugout Dudes. I'm co-host Josh Luke. We're about a week into the baseball season, and there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Brett, what stands out to you the most so far? <laughs> well, I mean, it's been interesting, to say the least. I think, uh, you know, we talked a little bit before we started taping, and it's just – there's not a whole lot of surprises when it comes to teams that are doing well. There's a couple here and there, um, especially in the, the National League West with, with Colorado. But, you know, the teams that are, are the powerhouse teams are, are kind of starting to some win, win some ball games. And when you think about it, I mean, you're talking 10 ball games in, you're sixth of the, sixth of the way done with the season. Like, it's crazy to think that it's, it's going to happen that fast, that this season, the regular season is going to be over if they continue playing because, you know, we'll get into a little bit deeper, but, you know, Manfred kind of threatening uh, to shut down uh, the season if, if things don't get straightened out with all the positive tests and people um, coming up positive. So we got a lot to talk about, buddy. Yeah, it was interesting that I think uh, one of the A's was it, uh, or excuse me, one of the Braves, right as he decided to come back, then they announced the Marlins players were all ill. And so all these guys started jumping ship. And so, well, we uh, talked then, about it earlier. We, we asked Ross about, can you come back? And then Mark Kakis, um yeah. for, the, for the Braves opted. He said he couldn't stand seeing everybody battling out there and, and, and had to come back. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if we see players do that before, I guess, there's a deadline. And then how many players bow out? Because there's been some players, and we can talk about those guys. Yeah, and I look, my opinion is, and, and maybe let's start with this, it's it's more of a business thing, but you being a player and, and a member of the union for so long, the baseball union has long been regarded as one of the strongest unions of any union, not just in sports, because the players stand together. Um, when you were playing and, and my brother was playing, Shane Spencer, one of my brother's roommates through the minors, was one of the few guys that through the 98 strike, like played through it and made it and had a World Series, got a ring and never was allowed into the union. But, but what I wanted to talk about with you and get your perspective is the NBA commissioner and said, if this is going to happen, we're going in a bubble, we're doing this. The NHL said, if this is going to happen, here's how it's going to be. There was a little banter, but with MLB, and, and I'm surprised there wasn't more pushback because all of us were going, man, the players better watch their tongue here. There's, you know, millions of people out of work and they're fighting over millions of dollars. And now we're finding out that maybe, I don't know, I think everybody respects a strong leader. And it seems like this was a great opportunity for the commissioner to say, here's what we're doing. And there's a little wiggle room players, but not a lot. Yeah, it's, the tough thing is, is you're right. The, the, the union, the players union has always been the strongest. Um, we've always had great uh, leadership. Tony Clark, um, who I, I came up with basically, and we were both player reps at the, at the same time when he was with Detroit and I was with Cincinnati. And, um, you know, having a little bit of insight being a player rep for a year, um, it's preached to us, you know, quite religiously that you know, the players stand together. They stand together no matter what. That's why you can see when there are strikes that are happening, 
they don't back down and that's why they're so strong and there's a few things that the players union will never never um basically give up salary cap is is the main thing that they will never get up and i think the fact that they've stayed so strong through strikes stood their ground that's what makes them so powerful when it comes to that um when it all went down going into the season there was a lot of back and forth a lot of negotiation i think it's like any other you know shootout um when when people are are threatening that hey this is going to happen we're going to do this you know you you're almost you're almost drawing that line in the sand and saying you know do you believe it's it's a game of poker um ultimately and and typically the players union always always has the hands to back it up you know with this big thing going on and manfred saying you know if if you guys don't figure it out and which that that's the confusing thing for me. He's like, if you guys don't figure this out and get a hold of this, I'm going to shut it down. And I'm wondering how, how much, because I, I just don't know enough about it. How much do the owners, are they involved in the day-to-day testing, getting the test results back, or if that's all on the players and the players union to take control of that. So this doesn't happen. That's, I think the big question marks for me is I don't know who's responsible for what it sounds like the players and the players union, um, are responsible for the testing and, and being proficient yeah. at that. And the fact that all these positives are happening, like you said, the Marlins, you know, 18 of 33 players. That's, I mean, that's a huge amount of players that have tested positive and St. Louis just had a couple more, um, you know, so it's going to happen. There's going to be positives because of the difference between like basketball, they're in a bubble in Orlando, they can't leave. And we can talk more about, you know, you were saying about the playoffs, but you know, it's, that was one thing that the players union and the players were adamant of is we're not going into a bubble because, um, you know, we have families, we have newborns, we have things to take care of that we're not willing to go into isolation for, you know, potentially three months. Yeah. A minimum of 60 days. So, Hey, I think I said 98 on the strike. I meant 95, but you mentioned something that I, I still think it would be great for them to say playoff teams are going into a bubble in uh, either Arizona or Florida or both. It doesn't matter. We got some five-star resorts lined up for your families to live at. It's going to be four weeks maximum. But what I've been concerned about, and you've heard me say it on other shows, is the best team is not going to win, and we already saw why. If the Marlins were in the playoffs, they would have either forfeited or they would have been playing with, you know, 20 minor leaguers that uh, some of them are – you know, most teams are carrying their top three or four prospects, even if they're single A level, because they just want them playing ball. And that's not always such a good thing to have one of those guys be put in the majors, particularly in the playoff spot, as you know. So what do you think about the prospect? I haven't heard anybody mention it. It's just an idea I have. Yeah, I, I've never heard um, that. But it, it, when you really think about it, um, you know, NBA might be on to something. You know, I, I don't think they – I don't think baseball could have done it with the regular season. It, it's a, a much longer window than the basketball is going to have because basketball, they're playing like – correct me if I'm wrong – like a couple weeks and they're jumping right into the playoffs. And you're talking a limited amount of teams. Yeah, it's just seeding. All they're doing is seeding for the playoffs. Yeah, because if you ask – if you ask 30 major league teams to isolate for three months – Potentially, it was never going to happen. The union would never let it happen. There would have been a ton of players that said, I'm not doing it. Mike Trout just had a baby. You you expect him to basically leave his wife, you know, when they're going to have a baby and say, I'll see you like in four months when when my baby's three months old. Wasn't going to happen. But playoff-wise, who knows? Maybe maybe there'll be so many more positive tests that that's something they're going to have to contemplate. I think time will tell. Time will tell if if the season is going to – 
make it through the whole time. Because if all these teams and all these positives come, Manfred said, you know, I'll pull the plug. I don't know. And I don't know. I don't understand that too. Does the commissioner have ultimate control to say the season's over period without any rebuttal from the union? We're definitely learning as we go. And to your point, if Trout left to have his baby, if there were a bubble, it's different than the NBA and the NHL. He's missing 10% of the season if he misses 10 days. So it's a whole different deal. Like I said, they're already 10 games in. I mean, 10 games in, that's – there's only 60 games. The season's basically a quarter of the way over. The All-Star breaks in two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) You're going to make the – you're going to start the All-Star game at three and one. You know, we haven't talked about this, and I haven't heard a peep about it since it's so far down on the list, but I know you were probably – you and your brother, I probably would have seen you in the same place I always see you in the bathroom at Dodgers Stadium. But we were all going to the All-Star game this year, man. And and then the pandemic hits – and there's no Dodger All-Star host, hosting. So, um, you know, my brother says, I'm sure they'll let him host next year, but I'm pretty sure the uh, way it No, it's not next year. I think it's like two, two or three, three years, years from yeah. now. Yeah, yeah next year's next already – I want to yeah. say it's two years from now. Next year's already set in stone. I forgot where – I think it's Atlanta has got yeah. it. So, it'll probably go Atlanta, then an American League team, and then back to Dodger Stadium, which I was excited. I was excited to see. Yeah. I've, been, I've been to, I think, two All-Star games, and it, it's a lot of fun. So, I was – I would have probably contemplated on going. Yeah, I love it. And I'm sure when it comes, we, we should hook up. Because the Home Run Derby, to me, was just as fun as the All-Star game, but for a lot of different reasons with the kids. The kids absolutely love the Home Run Derby in Anaheim. But hey, let's talk a little Dodger baseball. There's a couple things I want to throw at you. Bellinger finally gave him a day off, and the next day in the first inning, first at bat, he goes deep. I don't think anybody was too worried about that. But, hey, let me ask you about the Dodgers' philosophy. And I don't know if you've ever talked to Doc about this, but – um they um are, are they is this part of sabermetrics or a dodger philosophy but they could care less if their starter goes five innings like they are taking their dot their starters out in the third and fourth as part of the formula where most teams traditionally in the sixth inning you start to say okay pitch counts up we got lefty righty lefty coming up so we might have a lefty um, the Dodgers, it's like, especially with their two young guys, May and Gonsolin, in the third inning, it's fair game. So what do you think that it, it's just because it, it's not just the early in the season thing. This has become a routine thing for them. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think especially now because the rosters are expanded. So I think no one is is really going to push their starters um, too much unless a guy is just, you know, physically ready to go. I, I know there was a couple starters that it, they're they're kind of outside my head right now somebody threw a cg their first game but you know the luxury of of having a 33 man roster to this point is you got a ton of relievers in the bullpen so you don't need to tax your starters because that wear and tear of of getting ready too fast and throwing too much too soon that that'll that'll catch up with you three four five starts down the road and and if it catches up to you five six starts down the road that's the end of the season and that's when you want to be your freshest so i think there's just going to be a natural buildup of, of building these arms up depending on how much they threw coming into, you know, summer camp, uh, the second spring yeah. training. So I think the luxury of having those extra players is, is why you see a lot of these teams that their starters are only going five or five and two thirds like Kershaw did um, his first start. I mean, he was nursing a little bit of a back thing, but he probably, if he started opening day, it would probably have been the same kind of scenario. He goes yeah. five or six innings and then you go to the bullpen. And if you have enough arms, you know, it's an advantage. You're having a fresh arm every single inning. Yeah, Dustin May went four and then I think three. But Gonsolin, man, so the first batter, Marte, MVP candidate, gets a hit. He didn't give up another hit for four innings. And they 
pulled him. And, you know, I've always been of the school of thought that even, even I believe this is true even in Little League, every pitcher you put in gets a little worse than the one before. Now, in the majors, <laughs> that's, that, that's not so true. In Little League, I was, I was come, <laughs> my Little League philosophy was a little bit different than that. I always, I always held out a couple of good guys so I could bring them in. I, I have a total, like, major league mentality during Little League, for sure. Well, with Gonsolin, I, here's the point. When a guy is, and Brett, I always take it back to my brother, right? He's on national TV in 1998. Everybody's watching because they're playing the Cardinals. McGuire's on like 50-some home runs. And my brother goes two for three with two home runs. And they did what they always do in the eighth inning. They brought in a lefty and they pinch it for my brother. And I remember Joe Morgan saying, gosh, I know this is what they do, but isn't this guy maybe the hottest hitter in Major League Baseball right now? Do you, but, but you don't do that in sabermetrics. And that's kind of the philosophy I have with pitchers is if Gonsolin's one hit and, and zero in four innings, and I know it's coming. I know. I watch every Dodger game. I know it's coming, but I still go, man, I just don't know if you're going to get much better than this. There's too much, there's too much data out there now. There's way too much data out there now that is, is concrete data of, you know, second third time through the order and that's that's where the games evolved to and and like it or hate it um it just it is what it is and, and there's a lot of teams and the Dodgers is one of them Dave's Dave's very analytical to a certain degree we talked to him you know when he was on the show and we asked him you know how many how, how often do you go with your gut and he's like every game I have to do something that's by the gut so I think it's that balance between listening to the numbers you know feeding off your gut and your instinct but I think a majority of it is always going to be by the numbers because that's just the way the game's evolved. I, I don't I don't love it because there's been situations where a manager comes out there and says, how do you feel? And if you are foaming at the mouth and, and snarling because you have that adrenaline, it doesn't matter what the numbers are. You know, you're going to give the benefit to that pitcher. You know, I guarantee you, think about this. I guarantee you if back in the day, Randy Johnson – or Kurt Schilling, or Roger Clemens, or Pedro Martinez, you know, the manager comes up and says, hey, third time through the lineup, I'm taking you out. They're going to rip the manager's head off. They, they were that gritty. They didn't care what the numbers said. They, they were confident, and they knew that they could go out there and find a way to get batters out. But the game is different now. It's, it's I don't know. I don't love it. I don't know if you, if you like it or not. I just we're getting used to it whether we know it or not so let me you and I talked about this last year but you got these two super rookie pitchers for the Dodgers and everybody seems to love May for two reasons one I think he's topping triple digits on some of his fastballs but he's got this big red hair that he doesn't like to cut in the back but once again just like last year Gonsolin's numbers out of the gate are a little stronger than May so it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Have you had a chance to watch either of those guys yet this year? Um, I saw, I saw a little bit of the highlights of Gonsolin may I, I've seen, you know, pitch a little bit. They both, they both got great stuff. And we talked about, I think it was one of our very first podcasts. We talked about, you know, which one would you go with and the difference and, you know, Gonsolin we, we thought was a little bit more mature in terms of his, his pitch repertoire and what he could do. Um, may was a little bit more electric and, and a little bit more, I don't want to say dominating, but a little bit more overpowering. It's it's kind of it's kind of that Maddox or Clemens. How do you want to attack it? Do you want to go a little bit more finesse? Do you want to go a little bit more power? Um, who do you like better in the bullpen if it comes down to that? You know, I think that's up to you know Friedman and 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 Doc to to see how they want to navigate that. Um, but like like we've said, the Dodgers are so deep 
uh, on their depth chart, they have that luxury to be able to, to, to really kind of think and play with it and see who they really want to go with. Well, and let's stick with that topic of the depth, Brett, because you and I talked before we started. Um, I want to figure, ask you if you think this is because the playoff teams are already playing like it's the playoffs. I mean, we have six teams that have lost two or three games or less, and none of them are surprised except for maybe the Rockies. We have the Dodgers at seven and three, Atlanta at seven and three, Chicago Cubs at seven and two in the National League, Colorado the only surprise in the NL at six two. Uh, then what about Baltimore? Just let's throw, just let's throw out Baltimore. <laughs> I just saw that five and three. They're right in it. Yeah, and I think they started. I think they're. Did they even win five running. games last year? Well, they won three in a row. So at one point they were two and three, and all was normal. <laughs> but seriously, I think they won like twelve games the entire season last year. <laughs> yeah, so they're they're maybe they're on the cusp there. They're one of those sixteen teams they can celebrate in Baltimore. So who else in the AL? Yeah, you got Boston in last place, which isn't going to sit well there. But you got Minnesota looks so good at seven and two. Yeah. Remember, Dodger fans, they picked up the less exciting Dodger pictures. Maeda and Rich Hill are just busting out wins in Minnesota, and nobody's noticing. Those guys are well. We've all we've always been a we were always a fan of Hill and Maeda. I mean, I was a big Maeda fan because of his versatility, and I loved him in the bullpen. Um, So you know, it's no surprise that they're ranking that staff. so, I mean, they, they're, they're, they're set up to make a good run. Um, so I, I think they're going to be a team. And they were last year. They, they, were, they were that team last year. We said, watch out for Minnesota. They could sneak up yeah. and, and, and end up in the World Series. So, you but 750 win percentages, Brett. I mean, I, there's always one team this time of the year that you know, starts strong. But, but all the good teams pretty much are already playing like it's playoff time. Is that a mindset? Is that because they weren't allowed to do what they love for four months? Is there more focus? Talk to me about well, that's that. Funny. That's funny you ask that because um, our last podcast with uh, Stripling, um, right as we were saying goodbye to him when we were off air, I said, hey, I got a question for you. And we hung up. So, so Ross called me. And he said, hey, what were you going to ask me? I said, and that's the question I asked him. I said, is there the fact that like during 162 games, you start the season, especially as a, as a pitcher or a hitter, you have that buffer that if you get off to a slow start or the first month of the season is almost like you're not panicked at any games. If you lose a game, if you win a game, you know, you lose a couple games back to back, you're not worried about it. My question to Ross was, is there a, like a, a, you know, a feeling in the clubhouse that like we have to push on the gas and put it to the floor right now. Cause there's no easing into the season. You are basically, I mean, in August, you're August, the season, it doesn't matter. It's like, it's like you're tied for first going into August and, and you got it. You got to go. And he said, there definitely is, is the pressure. And there's a, there's a vibe in the clubhouse that we can't sit back. We can't wait. We got to play playoff winning baseball from the get-go so and I think that relates to players with Bellinger 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 struggling right off the bat and and you know he said Cody's putting a lot of pressure on himself to try to try to get off to a hot start because you know the season's almost over well I have an update that's very important Brett. Are you ready? <laughs> a little sound check to go with it um, at, at 10% mark in the season, I am ahead of Brett's brother in fantasy standings. <laughs> we tried to get Scott on again today, and, he, and we couldn't get a hold of him. 
Yeah. So normally I would say end the season today, but we uh, passed a rule in our league that they had to finish 40 games aggregate in order for this year to count. So, uh, but on that note, I'm glad I don't get penalized for players who don't show up and just decide to quit <laughs> the rest of the season on game day, because I had Cespedes from the Mets on my team. And just another example of a guy who, Hey, if there's a guy free agent year, he's in a contract year and all the odds are against him. He got huge money, hasn't played in two and a half years because he lied about an injury. I just can't imagine that this was a smart decision for a guy who needs to prove. Look, the jury's out that this guy maybe is still a baller, but he broke both of his ankles and couldn't play for two years. So talk about that decision yeah. specifically. I don't know if there's more going on to that or not. Uh, you know, I tried to text a couple guys that are uh, around that camp just to – see if I could hear any rumblings but I think there's more to that story you know you don't just not tell any there There has has to be be. you don't just not tell anybody and then they go to your hotel room which they had to they nobody heard from him so you have to you know especially what happened you know last year somebody passing away during the season you know they go to their room to make sure he's okay and his stuff's packed up and he's gone and not tell anybody so I think there's something more going on whether it's him mentally, family, I don't know. Because like you said, in a free agent year, I mean, he got paid a bunch of money. It's not like, you know, you get to this point. It's not about the money anymore. Guys like that that have made hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, of course everyone wants to make more, but that's not the point right now. So something's got to be going on, I think, a little bit deeper than, you know, I'm scared of COVID. I don't want to put my family at risk. Um, you know, Lorenzo Cain, different story. I think, I think he saw what was going on, you know, with the Marlins, with uh, St. Louis. And, you know, he's got a family and he might have decided like – and they're in second place right now. They're, they're far from – I don't want to say far from out of it at three and three or three yeah. and four or whatever. But, um, you know, you got to think. You have to do what's best for your family. And we talked about David Price opting out and saying for family reasons, I don't blame any guy at all, no matter how much money's on the line saying, you know, I don't feel safe out there. I don't feel safe for my family. I'm going to bail out. I think Cespedes owes some type of explanation than just picking up and leaving because most guys have come out and said, you know, they address the media, they address their team and say, Hey, I don't feel comfortable. Cespedes just said, peace out. I'm going, I'm going back to Miami. And even Doc said with Dave Price, it's like, hey, this was almost like a fa- for a guy he just met. It was like a guy that was almost like a father son talking through it over several weeks. There, there has to be more to the Cespedes story for sure. I mean, it, it'll come out, but for sure, yeah. yeah. So, so interesting. And I do think, Brett. I mean, if if you're a Marlin or a Cardinal or you know even a Dodger, and and the first Dodger that tests positive, that's going to impact you differently than anything today has impacted you, unless you've had a family member that got diagnosed, right? It's just different when one of your boys that's so close to you gets it, and then you start going, "What about me?" And oh my gosh, maybe one of the MLB players—I don't remember who it was—I think it was from Atlanta—is like, "Dude, this thing knocked me on my butt for like a month. It was 104 degrees. It was a headline that said I didn't know if I was going to live." Now the media is going to sensationalize, but when one of the- I had I had a friend that I I have a friend that got it, and it, it he was definitely in shape, took care of himself didn't drink, doesn't even drink caffeine, um, thought kind of he was invincible, uh, got it, didn't know it, um, was around, you know, like 
you softball, whatever, because he felt fine. And he said it was one of the worst things he's ever been through. Said he literally couldn't lift his head off the pillow. Um, and it was saying there were, there were nights or days that he was on the shower ground just trying to stay cool and, and couldn't get comfortable. So, you know, everyone has different symptoms. Some people, you know, they, they barely have a cough, but some people for whatever rhyme or reason it attacks. And, and, you know, I know, I know myself, I wouldn't want to risk it. We're super cautious around our household. I, you know, when I hear stories about how hard it hits somebody and the, the after effects, we have a lot of friends, just like you, you have a lot of friends in the medical world. I have a lot of friends in the medical world and there's so many different stories, so many different cases of barely affected him. And then there's some that like, they're going to have lung damage for who knows could be the rest of their life. So you don't know. And, and it's up to you to make the decision what you're comfortable with. And, and like I said, I don't blame anybody for bailing out. I'd probably, if I was in the circumstance to say, Hey, I'll see you in 2021. Yeah. And, and I think there's more and more guys that are starting to feel that way. So let's wrap up in the next few minutes by talking like, um, I'm looking at the National League West standings and uh, the, the Giants and, and the, the Arizona Dimebacks. I just, after watching a few games, I'd be very surprised if either of them played their way into this. But in the Central, you got Atlanta. And the Central's so screwed up because the, the Miami Marlins have only played three games. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and so Washington didn't get to play. But hey, Philly, if they don't play like, anymore and Atlanta starts losing, yeah. they're going to make the playoffs at a 667 winning percentage at 2-1. It two and is one. interesting that Manfred is, going, is almost using total games, or, or the rumor is, as a punishment. It's almost like even if you get COVID, on, even though you're following the rules, your team's going to be punished if the whole team gets sick and you miss games because that's that's the deal and if you don't know folks they're going to use win percentage and not total wins because they assumed something like this was going to happen yeah and they, they, they don't have they don't have time to make the games up they talked about yeah. doing set there which they they're agreed on yeah. seven inning double headers to make up some of the games if they have to but you know there's not a lot of extra days in the season when, when the regular season and the playoffs are going to start so yeah it's going to come down to win percentage hey i want to ask yeah. you what do you what do you think about what do you think about the padres yeah, they're only a game back behind the Dodgers. You and I talked about it. And, and both being SoCal guys, the Padres are always one of those teams about every fifth year that sneaks up. Nobody expects anything. And if their pitching can hold up, they do well. If Yates hadn't imploded two or three times, they might be eight and two right now. For sure. I think they're the team. Yeah. I think they're a team that may benefit um, from the shortened season because if they get hot enough, could they, could they maintain it over 162 games? Maybe not. But 60 games, a third of the season, basically, they who knows? They might sneak in there. They're, they're an exciting. I've seen a couple games. Um, and, I mean, Tatis Jr. is about as good as they get in the league in terms of, you know, being dynamic and being exciting. Um, they're a fun team to watch. Plus, I, I, I'm a big fan of the uniforms right now, the brown and gold. I don't know, yeah. maybe since they changed their uniforms, that's kind of that's a little bit of a superpower for them. But they've been fun to watch. I tell you what, man, I look at the Padres just like the Angels and their two teams. You know, I get to follow the Angels living in Orange County. They always have a lineup that's pretty much as good as any lineup minus the Dodgers and, and Yankees on offense. Okay. Mo the Angels are always that team that, you know, they just don't have the pitching. And we joked right. with Ross, you would have been the number one starter in Anaheim and you're fighting for a job in LA. The Padres, they have more of a younger nucleus on the pitching staff. So if they can just kind of get their way through and what's going to be fun this year Brett is the trade deadline I did hear that there's still a trade deadline yeah which is crazy <laughs> month into the month into the season 
Yeah. So who knows what's going to happen, but the Padres have to make the playoffs. I mean, basically half the teams make the play. You got eight teams out of 15 in each division that make the playoffs and the giants. I mean, the Dodgers basically gave them two games and one of them, you know, they, they let them come back, but uh, I don't see how that's going to happen. And uh, the Marlins, who knows if they're even going to play and the pirates aren't playing well. So, I mean, you already got four or five teams that are playing their way out of it. Um, but you got a, your old boy, Cincinnati, or they got to put a little streak together. They're four and yeah. five, and Milwaukee's not playing up to their part either. Let me ask you a question. What do you think about the comments um, uh, Bauer made with Cincinnati? When uh, Which did you one? see the He's thing? <laughs> yeah, but did you see the thing? They they called a game, but they called it eight minutes uh, before the game started. And Bauer's like this crazy. I mean, I play yeah. with a little bit AAA. He's got this this pre-game routine to get ready for the game that literally starts for seven o'clock game literally starts at like four 30. Um, so he, I mean, he was F bombs, you know, figure it, you know, the F out all this stuff that they canceled the game that they should have known better. He said it was the most amateur thing he's ever seen. I, it's crazy to me that somebody can be that vocal, like Joe Kelly getting suspended for 10 games for, you know, throwing at somebody, which we haven't even talked about that. The penalty, um, but he gets, you know, 10 game suspension, not even being ejected from a game, but still gets 10 games. And then you got Bauer basically calling out major league baseball for being as, you know, in, you know, unprofessional as, as could be and, and gets no, you know, slap on the wrist or nothing. I think, I think some of that's crazy. What do you think? What do you think about that? Yeah. You know, I feel like Bauer is, a, is one of the probably top 20 pitchers in baseball. And I think he talked his way out of Cleveland, um, not on purpose, just, you know, certain teams get tired of it and say, I don't want to deal with that. And I think he's probably starting to talk his way out of Cincinnati, not because of his performance, but most teams it's like with Puig, look, Puig can't even get a job right now. And he's better than 40% of the outfielders that start in major league rosters, you know, you don't want to deal with the headache. They, they can't control him. And, and Bauer's right there with Puig. I mean, maybe they should start their own team, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that we could do a poll, what, what the name of the team should be. Yeah, but so it's great. Bauer it's the guy that was going to do the wiffle ball game during the pandemic? Was that Bauer? Yeah, they, no, they, he, they did. They got together and did, a, and did a thing. Like, And I know Trevor just from, like I said, I was in Reno um, at one point when he was coming up with Arizona. And, and I mean – not a bad, like not a bad guy, not, not, not a bad guy. I think, you know, as you get more successful and, you know, you, you become, like you said, one of the top pitchers in the league, you feel like you can say a little bit more and be a little bit more outspoken. And, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes having a, a little bit of a filter is a good thing. Um, but he feels, you know, he, he can say what he wants and that, and he can, but, you know, I'm just amazed sometimes there's not penalties for being, outspoke whether it's him or someone else that speaks so against the league that they can't be reprimanded like like i said kelly gets you know a 10 game or throwing at somebody didn't even hit him and just you know talked a little smack as he was walking off and gets 10 games and i think if you keep it in perspective that would be getting let's talk about this a little bit a 20 game suspension 22 game suspension in the regular season which for hitting a batter is unprecedented never seen it there's i mean you may get a game or three games for for drilling somebody getting ejected not 22 games i'm shocked that major league baseball is protecting the houston astros so much like but I wasn't it refreshing to see all the other players clevenger and some of the others come out and say the exact same thing 
like this is ridiculous eight games the astros haven't i mean four uh, i think it was uh uh stroman from the mets like Stroman went, came out a couple retired guys but clevenger came out a couple and did his colorful language too and said you know this is ridiculous a lot of players did and i thought and retired players and look and bottom it, line they're sending a message they're sending a message and, and lucky but for I, MLB, I don't he has a history right so it's easy for them to say that yeah but i don't see they're sending a message for what like you know i, I know people with the astros, the astros I, oh, yeah but i That's i know pe- i know people in the front office with the astros i know players that played on that team it doesn't take away from the fact of what they did you know they cheated they got caught cheating so if a player wants to retaliate personally and do what has been done in major league baseball for a hundred years and clip somebody, you know, <laughs> there's no way they should start changing because now how are they going to police that when it comes to, all right, now, Hey, St. Louis is playing the Cubs and the Cubs said something. So a player drills um, Rizzo in the ribs. Are they going to give a 10 game suspension or a 22 game suspension in regular season? How are they going to police that? I don't understand yeah. that. It's, it's still, I think a lot of people are, are perplexed and I, I know Kelly's going to try to appeal it. And I don't know who knows if he's going to be able to get, you know, a little bit lesser of a penalty, but I think it's, I think it's way too strong of a, you know, decision you know two games three games maybe but 10 games is it seems absurd well you know i'm gonna agree with you and, and by the way <laughs> question, question for you don't they usually wait till you trip through new york to hear your uh, grievance uh, so so there's no trip through new york this year so what are they waiting for to hear the- dude they're gonna do it like every single person in america zoom they're gonna do a zoom call it's so funny it's so funny so you know we're everyone's kind of in their houses and and we've been kind of we're at our little tiny lake house and we're watching we're doing movie nights and we got the kids we're watching the avengers series so we started watching it and there was one watching that too actually yeah, we're on the second one. It's been great. They're long. I didn't realize how long they were. There's one scene where Samuel L. Jackson's characters is talking to whatever, the Legion or whatever, and there's Tim in front of a screen with like seven people, eight people, or like, see? Even the superheroes are doing Zoom calls. This is Zoom's been happening way before the pandemic. So we got a good laugh. We got a good laugh out of the kids when we when we threw that out at them. It was really well, hey, pretty funny. Two things before we sign off. One is I got to say, and you never hear me say anything nice about the Astros, but Bregman's the only one that took that like a man that stood up, ran to first, didn't Absolutely. Back, and this know, is and that's what he should have done. This is what I don't understand. So Correa, right? So Kelly misses with a cutter. It wasn't even a fastball, like a cutter that got away. And Kelly had been wild. Like it wasn't like he yeah, was dot strikes. Always been wild. Always been wild. So a cutter gets away. You know, Correa, right? If, I don't care what you get you know, thrown at you, if it almost hits you in the head, you're going to get a little mad. Okay. But understand that. So I think a lot happened. There was some chirping out of the dugout too. And after he struck Correa out, you know, of course there's a little bit of a stare down and, and Kelly throws out his lip and pouts and tells him, you know, nice swing with, with expletive. I get that. I totally get that. But that's been happening in baseball jawing. I've jawed with guys as I've walked them and they're going down to first base. Like, it just happens. That's the stuff that happens on the field that the players need to police and handle. And I don't think Major League Baseball should step in and go so overboard on the punishment. That's just well, and in this opinion. case, Brett, it's what America needed to feel just a little bit better about the Astros cheating. And hopefully there's a few more teams that send their message. So let's yeah. wrap up. I got, I got one more question for yeah, you that we didn't hit. 
Kershaw start. What'd you think about the Kershaw start? Being a fan, are you, yeah. are you optimistic that, you know, he's, he's back to where he needs to be? Yeah, you know, um, you know, we talked about it with Doc. I feel like um, his postseason legacy is, is a false narrative and that he has a clean slate to rewrite it. Um, I feel like in the regular season, he always pitches like he did uh, in his first game. He was solid. Um, the pitches were moving, looking good. Um, they, they let him go a little longer than they do the young guys, which is good. I, I'm excited. And, you know, I've heard a couple commentators say this. They hold him out even when he's not hurt because all they care about is him being ready in playoffs, which you can't blame him for. He's proven himself. So I thought he looked great. What would you think? I, I thought he looked great. I mean, I'm, you know me, I'm a huge Kershaw fan. So yeah. um, I've been a big believer of him and through all the criticism, even in the playoffs, I've been a huge supporter. So it's, you know, it's nice to see him go out there and look solid. You know, he's not the Kershaw that he was, you know, five, six years ago. That happens as you get older and, and your stuff starts, you know, I would say, I don't want to say diminishing because I think it just, it, it morphs, it transforms. Your yeah. stuff transforms and you're re, reinventing yourself. You become from a power pitcher to a little bit more of a, like a, I don't want to say a finesse pitcher because he still throws hard enough, but you know, he's learning what he has to work with. He's learning what he's capable of doing with each pitches. And, and I thought it looked great. So I think it's a positive. So let's have a little fun to wrap up. Uh, pick a sleeper team in the national league and the American league that you think has got a shot in the playoffs. And remember, this is like the equivalent of August 15th right now. We got, we got, uh, you know, um, what, 50 games to go. <laughs> so. we have, we're already halfway through the season and we're after we're done with week one um my sleeper team i'm going with the padres just because you know i'm yeah. i've lived in san diego for like 25 years now um you know i played for them three different times uh i i, I for some reason i'm just i'm i'm hoping for the city of san diego to have something to root for um uh, my american league team i'm not going to say baltimore even though they're, even though they're Set five. And, for that, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't go out of limb and say Baltimore. Um, you know, it's tough. I always like Oakland. I always, you know, in the back of my mind, I think Oakland is that team that, that always gets sneaky towards the end of the season and makes a good run. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think Oakland's going to, uh, gosh, they're, I mean, they're, it's a hard saying for a sleeper. Horses. They're tied for first place in the West. It's hard to say they're a sleeper. So I don't know if that's a cop out or, or not, but. Uh, but they're in the division with the Astros and folks, this is going to be boring radio, but those are the two teams that I had my eye on too, you know. Is the All right, then I'm going to say Baltimore. I'm going to say Baltimore. Baltimore is <laughs> going to win a wild card spot. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I think for <laughs> sure they can win a wild Dude, anybody can win a wild card. Right. You could put together a team right now and still make it maybe. You know? I thought so. for a minute, I thought for a minute, <laughs> Cincinnati, my, my, my my hometown, uh, where yeah. my roots are planted, Cincinnati might have a shot. Which, at five and four, they they still have a shot. Um, yeah, they're basically in second place. Uh, so yeah. you know they got a good young team. Um, pitching is they is have a good second quarter. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> got, right. So I mean they got they got some decent pitching. They got Gray and they got Bauer, like we said. But they got a, a good little um, young group of hitters that you know they got Mostakis yeah. this year that cast castle what castle castle or yeah i can't remember how to say his name but he's 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 been hitting like fire so i yeah. i don't know man i'm gonna throw cincinnati in the mix just because you know I like I'm it kind of a homer and that's where i grew up i like it well hey we're the dugout dudes thanks for tuning in hey guys we're uh we're tweeting at max muncie trying to get him to come on the show so if you're a tweeter tweet at max muncie and tell yeah, him jt to, to too we're trying to get turner out. i threw something out of turner so we'll see if we can get him too all right brad thanks a lot bud. all right buddy
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.